Hello all and welcome to edition 112 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that turned down a late loan bid from TalkSport for NCFC numbers on deadline day. Uh, The move just didn't add up. Also, we don't own Steve. I'm Michael Bailey. I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, Dino's Five Alive. Just how quietly can you close a window and time for a Burnley bundle. We will work through all that and more with our guests this fine evening. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own, you've heard him mentioned earlier, Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. We have former Norwich City winger, academy coach, bona fide club legend and friend of the podcast, Mr. Darren Huckabee. Good afternoon, evening, everyone. And finally, but not most least, Lily, along come Norwich and Barclay flag purveyor. It is Maddie McKenzie. Hello, hello, everybody. I can't believe you introduced me after Huck, so that's something to live up to. There you go. Well, it's no particular order. <laughs> so it's, it's everyone is equal on this podcast. I think we've we've definitely lived by that through the... Have we, Steve, lived by that through the... No, maybe not. Anyway, carry on. Um how are we doing? I hope everyone's all well. I hope you're all out there uh, are well. Who Those who are <laughs> great, co- great cohesive start from me. I'm making perfect sense. Hope everyone out there is doing well. Hope you guys joining me here are well too. Steve, how are you? I'm very well. It's the first I've heard that you turned down a bid from TalkSport for me. Um, I've, I've been sitting on loads of inflammatory opinions for years that I could have wheeled out on there, but um, I, I guess I'll never get to use them now unless unless I could just start peddling them on this podcast instead, right? Well, I didn't want your head to be turned, you see, in the in the final weeks of the window and, you know, start putting in demands. Yeah, it doesn't take you. much. Just just <laughs> loads and loads of money. That's 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 what I'm motivated by. So yeah. Well some would probably be a start some, to be honest. Yeah, any money so at all. <laughs> any any offers that anyone wants to make, uh yes, I'm I'm open to them. But you have to go through us first. Just to yeah, make that clear. To go through Michael. Michael's make that my clear. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a brutal world, the world of Norwich City podcasting. I think we can all attest to that. <laughs> um Mr. Darren Huckabee, I, I might refer to you in with all three of those words together tonight, but I'm, I might not. How, how are you doing? Very well, yeah, very well. Uh positive few weeks. So let's hope it continues. Love it. Uh your beard's looking particularly trim. Is that the is that your tran- is that your trophy cabinet behind you? No, just just where I keep my electric balls. Look at those. So, <laughs> break into my ass. It's in the dining room. Well, let's not talk that up. <laughs> how many are there? How many how many hat-trick balls are there? Can I ask uh, an interest? Six. 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 Two. Yeah, but <laughs> did you ever did you ever get them Two. in back-to-back games? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We got ourselves yes. a Harland. <laughs> yeah, I was the last person to do it, Man City. I, I, I think I scored three against Forest. Last time they played in the Premier League. So I was the last person to score three for Man City against no way. Well, look, we yeah. basically got Erling Haaland off of the early 2000s on the podcast there, really, haven't we? Yeah. Well, I won't go that far, but I'm not six foot four and uh, wow. good in the air. So. I mean, I, I've just assumed someone put Erling Haaland, Haaland together in a lab, to be honest, and came up with this sort of football goal thing. Machine. To, yeah. But, uh, we don't need to talk about him because we're not in the Premier League. And could you imagine him coming up against Grant Hanley and whoever? I have, imagined, of... I have imagined that actually a little bit, actually. <laughs> Common feature of all of our nightmares at the moment, isn't it? Well, maybe. But we don't need to worry about it, Maddie. How are you? Uh, knackered, to be perfectly honest. Good. Today was I my honesty. first day of teacher training. So, <gasps> yeah, might be a bit, you know behind the rest of you so I hope all of you have got your A game on because I am half asleep not that I'm not fully committed you know fully committed well in Norwich mode let's just not talk about percentages um what have you got a uh, a board behind uh, is that a Norwich board behind you is that well, it's, it's just yellow I don't think there's so anything assumed. interesting behind me uh no that that's just bad luck we moved in when I was five and the walls were yellow and I wasn't even a Norwich fan then hated football so well apparently so because now I'm a Norwich fan so it's just stayed that way forever it's just penetrated your soul you see over all those years so Um, like subconscious messaging this is the way to do it Uh, well loads of luck with the teacher training uh my wife is a primary school teacher so I can fully appreciate if you know you just fall asleep halfway through the podcast I will understand um (laughs) 
Right. Well, in that case, I reckon we should crack on with uh, this week's headline act. Well, Norwich City were bottom of the table after three games and they've gone from that to top of the tree five games later. Now, admittedly, they're not top now because Sheffield United won at Hull. uh, But still, uh, healthy is as healthy does, which is definitely a saying that I might have made up. And, And, you know, Steve, not looking so bad, is it, for Norwich City back in the championship, doing what they do? Typical Norwich, all that sort of stuff. Uh, what caught your eye during the uh, during the week and the wonderful uh, results and victories against Birmingham and Coventry? Um, oof, I don't know, you sort of stumped me straight away with that question because nothing in, in particular caught my eye. It's just like you say, kind of Norwich City doing what they do at this level. I mean, they've already, in, in the space of three weeks, accrued the same number of league wins that they got in the entirety of last season. I don't know where we are in the cycle, whether we're at the start of the next cycle or whether we're kind of halfway round. But it, it sort of feels like after a, after a dodgy first few weeks where I think we were genuinely worried whether they could replicate what they've done the last two times, um, they've kind of clicked into gear in the way that they usually do. Um I, I guess they. it felt like they won the two games in, in very different ways. Um, I think, to be honest, although the Birmingham game was tighter, um, they were probably the weaker of the two teams that we faced. I thought they looked terrible, whereas I thought Coventry had something a little bit about them. But um, I think there's a big difference between having Pookie in the team and not having Pookie in the team. And I think the way that they played on Saturday reminded me a little bit more of how they were under Daniel Farker, um, particularly maybe the first goal that probably stood out in the way that Nunez slipped him through. Um, but then equally, you know, they had that ability to win ugly, if you like, on Tuesday in what wasn't a great match um, uh, and, you know, and winning it late as well. So, I mean, yeah, five wins in a row. It, 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 I almost feel like I'm not excited enough about that, but you really can't argue with it. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that there has been a, uh, definitely fair to say there has been a massive drop off in terms of the quality uh, that we were facing last season, it was like like edge of a cliff kind of drop off. Um, <laughs> but I think it feels like with the the teams we've got coming up, uh, the the real challenge starts now. But they've beaten what's been in front, what's been put in front of them. You can't ask any more than that, as the cliche goes. This is this is true. I, I mean, Hux, what did you make of the atmosphere? Because I think the way we've kind of started this podcast is a little bit symptomatic. I think of of what it's just like being at Carrow Road, which is kind of. We've done all this, you know, you're just sort of winning games. The opposition don't seem to be up to that much, certainly compared to what Norwich are capable of. So I don't know, it feels a bit it's not exactly the same as eighteen nineteen where it's all so exciting and and everything. No, I think it's a different uh, style of football. But you know, the fans will if we win games, fans get behind the team and you know, I thought Coventry fans were unbelievable considering our I, I thought Coventry were awful, if I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I, I didn't think they had anything about them. Truth there, was watching a few Cov games like I've obviously been the next player there. I didn't think they had any, didn't know how, to, how they were going to play, what they were trying to do. I thought Coventry were awful and I thought Birmingham were awful. In fact, I think every team apart from Sunderland this season have been bang average. Bang, <laughs> bang average. So that's a, that's a positive for me because we've played Huddersfield who got in the playoffs. We've played Millwall who just finished outside the playoffs. And literally, I've not seen even a half-decent team. Apart from Sunderland, I thought Sunderland played really well against us. We was a, a bit off it, but if, if that's going to be the level of the quality game in, game out, with our squad, I'm not saying it's going to be a walk in the park because you've still got to dig in and you've still got to be resilient like we've shown. But to be able to bring five players on the, off the bench that are probably better than everybody, every player in the other people's teams, it's a massive, massive plus. It's a, it's, a, it's a big advantage, just like it was the last season in the Premier League where you know, Man City could bring five players on the same quality as the ones that are, you know, are coming off. And that's what we're doing. And you know, teams won't be able to live with that. It's a, it's a really interesting dynamic change now because, because you can bring five players off that. You know, that is like 45% of your starting eleven on your team. You can literally go... Right, we're going to stop playing like that now. We can we can do this. I think that's a a, a dramatic shift, really. I know we've had it before with COVID, but it feels like maybe it's just taken hold now. Uh, I can't remember which of the two games. I think it was the Birmingham game where I basically said in my video verdict, right, 
there's no way this Norwich team should finish outside the top six because I just don't think there's enough good enough teams that should finish above them. I honestly believe that. Now that doesn't mean that they're definitely going up or anything daft, bearing in mind we're eight games in, because you know, there are still teams in it doesn't take much for two teams to finish above you and then you're in the playoffs and then God knows what will happen. Um, but it does feel like that just and, and even the games where Norwich I maintain they should never have lost to Cardiff I thought Cardiff were, were woeful and you know Norwich should have been out of sight before Hull even had a sniff of Norwich's goal realistically um, and then if we just reflect on the Birmingham game briefly Maddie, that felt like that game was pretty much all about Anel Hernandez now I have written a piece on The Athletic you can, you can read that but also it wasn't just the the, the atmosphere and what he did at St Andrews, but it was the reaction he then got at Carrow Road against Coventry when he was warming up and came on the pitch. I mean, the guy is, the guy is like a Norwich City supporters magnet at the moment. I think he became sort of what my good mate John Punt would say, a Carl Lafferty player. Sort of when he wasn't in the team last season and he went out on loan, everyone was like, "Oh man, imagine if Ono Hernandez was here. You know, what would he be doing? What would he be offering that you know Poheta wouldn't be offering?" And now he's here and he's kind of backing that up. Would he do it in the Premier League? Premier League? Probably not, but it doesn't matter because right now he is here and he is doing it. And I was at Birmingham on Tuesday, you know, luckily. So and it was. It was a stodgy game. It was a bad, bad, stodgy game, as I'm sure you can appreciate. You know, we were standing there and for 90 of the 97 minutes, you were just thinking, my goodness, you know, how long until I can get on the coach and go home? And yeah, Ono Hernandez made the trip worth it. But I think something that people haven't noticed is that when he ran over to celebrate, he started tapping the wrong shoulder. He got completely mixed up about where his tattoo was. So he was going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of looked down and went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's that kind of ridiculous thing that he just gets so caught up in the moment and just his shirt was off before the ball was at the back of the net. He just loves it. And he's been getting, you know, people have been enjoying his warm-ups for the whole season because as soon as he got his tattoo out that first time against Wigan or whenever it was, you know, that's that's all the encouragement the Snake Pit needed and the Snake Pit doesn't need much encouragement. So as soon as they got that, at any time he walks anywhere near them, they're going to be shouting his name and... That was probably the loudest Carrow Road was on Saturday because people just people just love the bloke. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen his TikToks recently, but my God, that is a man that loves Norwich and just loves football. and just He's just happy to be back. And, you know, after the Premier League, where it looked like some of our players didn't necessarily want to be there too much, that's all people want. You know, a player that just wants to be here and, and loves it and just appreciates what he's got. Quite, quite an interesting dynamic, um, Hux, because that, you know, like... At the end of the Birmingham game, some of his teammates were literally pushing him towards the the crowd because they knew what the Norwich fans and how they would react to that. I noticed um, when he was warming up, obviously he's alongside Ben Gibson coming out for warm-up. No one really, you know, other than gives a player reference to Ben Gibson. But he then looks behind him at O'Neill sort of with a smile because he can hear what's going on. I mean, I suppose it must be weird as a teammate when you know, I guess someone has that sort of, is generating that feeling across the across the supporter base? Yeah, like I said, I think he's... I'm still critical of him, if I'm going to be pretty honest. 95% of his game is very, very good. He puts teams on the back foot, he's, he's aggressive the way he plays, he's direct. He, every defender who plays against him has a hard time. But he still doesn't do enough with the ball he's got when he's got the ball. To me, I said it on Twitter the other day, people having a go. You know, he gets one goal every 10 games. That's his career. That's his career stats. He gets two two assists every ten games. For all his good play and all the work he does and his directness and his enthusiasm, he needs to have a bit more important product. He's, he's got to to play this team that's going to create a lot of chances. You know, he's he's got to do a little bit more. But like I said, ninety five percent of his game is very very good. But he's just got tied up when he gets in that final area. Because if he did that, you know, he's hard to stop because he's quicker, he's stronger than everybody he's playing against. But that's that final ball and that final decision. That's, that's a really important bit. It's not the, the good stuff he does. He does really, really well. It's the stuff at the end where it's different between a goal or a cross going over and no one getting to it. It's very, especially now we've got Sergeant where you can put balls in the box. It's different with Pookie because Pookie is really, you have to pull the ball back to him in a perfect area for him to score. But now with Sergeant or whoever's Hugo's on there, you can just put the ball in the box sometimes and let them get on the end of it. So, He's done great. We love his enthusiasm. But as a wide player who played in the exact same position, he's got to do a little bit more, in my opinion. That's, that's the professional footballer getting the, getting, wanting to get the best out of, out of everyone. Well, so, Steve, what are you going to say? It's, 
try not to be negative, but that's how I feel. I think he's a breath of fresh air. He wants to be here and the fans love him. But at the end of the day, it's about goals and assists. It's always been about that. Mm. I, I mean, I think it's I think it's fair to say objectively, he's, he's probably not as good a footballer as Todd Cantwell is. And yet, um, the impact he had, obviously, on Tuesday, but I thought on Saturday as well, the, Saturday, the game on Saturday was a weird, weird second half. Like, the intensity completely dropped in the second half. And I thought... To be honest, we were we were really, really quite bad for the first half an hour of that second half. But Coventry just didn't have enough, really, to trouble us. So it didn't really matter. But you could sense it in the crowd. You could sense it amongst the players. Like, we've got Tuna, we've got this, it's fine. So it kind of sat back. I think slightly worrying trend growing there, actually. And that's happened three times I've been up 2-0 this season. First time was Birmingham in the Cup. They obviously scraped through, having conceded to Huddersfield. They nearly threw away and obviously were, were fine on Saturday in the end, but didn't play particularly well. But I think when Smith brought the subs on, of which Onil was was one, it, it did give the team a bit of a lift. And I think that was partly because the crowd got a lift, partly because Onel's one of those players who just will pick the ball up and run with it. And I, you know, I think we've probably said it on this pod already this season, but he feels like somebody that's just going to have that role this season. He might get the odd start, think Smith probably recognises he has better footballers in that position. But I think somebody who can come on, maybe when you need a goal, maybe when the team just needs a lift for the last 20 minutes and kind of just bring that enthusiasm, he's going to be a really useful squad player, it feels like, this season. And I think also worth noting as well, he looks much better now than he has done in an orange shirt for some time, like probably since the year we were promoted under Farker the first time around. I, 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 the, he did seem to go through this weird period once Norwich got promoted and afterwards where he he seemed to put on a load of muscle mass and then would just spend a lot of time sort of shielding people from the ball. <laughs> and that was kind of what he did. He sort of shield people from the ball. And there was no like taking anyone on or running with the ball or doing anything kind of progressive really. It was it was like he was sort of being a, a dumb do, do you think that's that coaching? Bit. Do you think that's like do you I think he's well, been coached differently now and being told, you know, just just do what you get at and run at defenders? Again, it was sort of in the piece I wrote and I spoke to Anel about it. And I think I, I get the impression there was a lot being made of how Norwich had to be physically stronger. I think he, you know, he seems like quite an enthusiastic guy. He probably went, right, I better put a, a shed load of muscle mass on. And I think he did it. And then it was like his whole game kind of changed around it. So he's just sort of, it certainly looks a bit leaner and quicker and more agile now. And that's all that he agreed with as well. So, I mean, uh, you know, he does after a season where no supporter really seemed to like anyone that was playing for the club, it, it is a bit of a refresh that we're in the position where, where, you know, at least, you know, a, a few of them are starting to pick up a bit of favor. I did see an interesting post as well on Twitter at some point today, sort of suggesting that someone like Milot Rashica won't take as many risks with the ball as Anel does. And that's maybe why he, he, he doesn't get the same kind of end product question marks as Anel, which a, I don't think is true. I think, he does uh, and be like Huck says um, you know you fling a ball in and it's going above everyone's head which does happen <laughs> with Anel then you know that that's not ideal whatever you're trying to do but also Anel's quite a very honest professional as well I think he knows that, it, that he's sort of maybe uh, not producing those things I think the big difference between well the fans could tell Ono looks like he wants to play he looks like he's happy and buzzing to get on the pitch where whatever role it is he's happy to do it you know, sometimes Rashid's look like he didn't, didn't want to be out there. If we're going to be brutally honest, and he, you know, his, his game looked that way. You know, he looked like he didn't want to be here. Oh no, does want to be here, and you can see that straight away from the way he comes and where he warms up to when he first gets the ball, what he tries to do. So, you know, I think that's the biggest difference. Fans aren't daft; they can see players that want to play for the club. You know, there's been plenty of players over the years who probably haven't been technically very good, but they'll run for a brick wall for you, and you know, fans appreciate that. Have you have you had that playing as well, Hux? Where you, it's not so much maybe not even wanting to be there, but it's just the, your confidence is at this point where you, you, I don't know, you carry fear. I mean, I suppose it's just low confidence, but where you carry like a weight, so you you just know freedom with what you're trying to do on the pitch. Yeah, you, you get certain times in your career, but you know, if you're a wide man, for instance, for Schitz or O'Neill or Jovis or whoever's playing out there, the only way you do that is by being brave enough to get the ball and keep going at your man until you get until you until you get past that little bit of confidence. You know, Rishitsa looks like he's div divorced of all. You know, it's like you don't don't know how to beat people, don't know how to cross the ball. But I know it sometimes happens. But you know, we've gone from a player that we thought was going to keep us in the Premier League to a player that don't get in the Premier League in a championships, you know, match day squad. So you know, that's a big drop off. And it's not like we paid you know, twenty quid for him; we paid ten million pounds. 
So you know, that's a bit of that's a bit of a concerning issue. That's later on down the line because if you don't get back in the squad, then do you loan him out? Do you try and sell him? Who's going to want to buy him? So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. It's a lot of. Uh... A lot of twenty-pound notes in nine in <laughs> nine million pounds for sure, or, or Freddos for those who uh, listen to the TFO podcast. Um, uh, Maddie, we we had Tamu Puki and Josh Sargent start um, after a little period where we were like, "Thank goodness, Josh is starting in a central role now. He looks like a good player." Quickly, he got shifted back out wide. It's not quite <laughs> that straightforward, obviously, but um, they, you know, that it looked it looked fluent. And actually, watching it back, I mean. Still, and obviously we've got to take into account the level here, Josh looks perfectly fine and, and happy coming in off, off the wing, I thought. Yeah, I think a lot of us were worried that he was starting on the right on Saturday. It was a case of, oh my goodness, is this going to destroy his confidence? But I think you've had a role reversal there. You know, you have Tamer Puki, he's normally the super confident one. He knows he can step onto the pitch and score as many as he wants, but he's, I, th- I think he's looked mentally fatigued for the last few months. I was having a discussion the other day with someone about how since that Ericsson incident at the Euros, he's looked kind of as if he's somewhere else when he's on the pitch. And I mean, he was having a difficult time of it last season anyway, because he just, he wasn't getting the service. He wasn't having the players around him who were putting the balls in that he needs. So he was looking almost bored at times. And I don't think you could blame him for that. But this season, obviously, it must be, you know, no striker wants to sit on the bench and watch their another striker in their position outscore them. So he must have been buzzing to get back on. And it was brilliant that he got the goal. And then, you know, almost immediately after, Josh Sargent goes, oh, goodness, I don't want to be dropped. I better get one too. So he's definitely someone who's benefiting from a real boost in confidence. And I don't think, did anyone see this, really? You had some, you know, some jokes saying, oh, Josh Sargent, top scorer in the championship this season, you know, 25 goals. But... No one really How dare it. you? <laughs> Predictions. Well, maybe people were serious. I don't know. But I, I don't think anyone honestly would have put solid money on it because he he just looked like a player who was who was scared on the ball sometimes. But there were flashes in that Premier League season of a potential link up between Pookie and Sargent. It looked like it could click if the confidence issues and if the if the squad behind them were fixed. And I, I think it's something that could work. I think he has to find a way to get them both in because now that Pookie has that goal, hopefully he'll be able to go on and you know hopefully he'll, he'll be able to click right back into his into his um, goal scoring mindset. So if he can find a way to have the two of them on the pitch, you know that's that's a strike force that rivals anybody in this league and rivals a few Premier League teams as well. So I I can't believe that Josh Sargent is doing well, but you wouldn't wish it for any other player really. So. You know, and he's got the World Cup coming up as well, hasn't he? He's got that on his mind. So he's going to want to play and he's going to be desperate to impress. So having a player like that who has that carrot at the end of the rod dangling for him, you've got to find a way to keep him in and, you know, keep him getting service because the more he has that to aim for, the better he's going to get, I reckon. I, I thought um, I thought Pookie was so, so good on Saturday as well. Like for somebody that hasn't scored all season, for somebody that hasn't started the last few games, he looked so sharp. I mean, that second, obviously the first goal he took really well, it was kind of like a classic Pookie goal, but that second goal as well, that just his involvement in that move, obviously Ramsey did brilliantly. That You know, that was straight out of the Farker playbook, that goal. Um, but I just thought his link-up play was was really excellent with Sargent and with others. And I completely agree with Maddie. I think going forward, the the certainly at the moment, the plan for Smith has to be how do I fit these two guys in the in the team right now here here well said uh right in that case uh I reckon we can move on swiftly because we're not going to talk much more about Josh Sargent because you know he's, he's dominating the airwaves um until he gets his hat trick whenever that is um let us uh, wrap up our opening half of the podcast with our latest list of things we are not going to talk about so let's rattle through these uh the things we are not going to talk about, which I think we've decided in recent weeks is something I dominate <laughs> with all the things I don't want to talk about. Like the whole podcast. Ah, oh, well. <laughs> in a good way, though, right? In a good way. If this is because I turned down talks. Not at all. Yeah, yes. I get it. I get it. Um, uh, well, yeah, things we're not going to talk about. We're, we're not going to talk about Coventry's disallowed goal um, because, uh, you know, I, it did, I couldn't really get my head around it initially. And then I, posted a couple of things on Twitter and then everyone sort of probably explained it to me in the end. Um, so basically Tyler Walker was on the goal line and probably was interfering with Tim Krul and offside, probably. But Hux, what did you think? 
I thought it was a good goal, if I'm going to be honest. I don't know what, he challenged the goalkeeper. I don't know what you're expecting the centre forward to do. What's he meant to do? Jump off the pitch? I, I, <laughs> no, but Lee, you're, you're right, though. In theory, if he had jumped into the goal before the shot was taken, he the goal would have stood. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because they were rubbish. But <laughs> it, I think it was a legitimate goal. I'd have been, please wait, if it had been in the Premier League, It'd have been VAR'd off, wouldn't it? But it's, it's just a it's, it's just a shame for them because you know I thought their fans deserved to see a goal. I thought they were excellent, and you know obviously they weren't good enough in general play for the rest of the game. So we're not going to talk about it, obviously. But do you, do you worry a little bit for Coventry this year, Hux? I mean, I kind of think they'll be all right, and and I I kind of thought they did still seem to have enough about them. But I thought, I thought after they made a few subs, I thought they looked a little bit better second half, but. I don't know, defensively they look poor. I, I don't know where they're going to get the goals from. I, I don't know. You know, Tyler Walker looked like a lost kid up front. I didn't even realise until halfway through the game, halfway through the first half, that it was actually Walker. I thought it was a kid they just brought on and, to play up front on his own. Can I ask Hux about uh, Gyurkarez, who came on in the second half, who I don't, I mean... Look, obviously missed that good chance at the start of the half, but he looked like uh, his end product wasn't great, but he looked like properly gave Max a difficult time. Bit, and I didn't really understand why he wasn't starting. He looked really good for them. I'm not sure, but apparently there was a, some kind of falling out before the game. That's what I kind of heard. That's, that's what oh, I really? Because they made four changes, didn't they, from the team that played mm. in the week and, and that basically changed the complete forward line. So... I'm sure it was something to do with that, but okay. yeah. you know. Mark Robbins, yeah, Mark Robbins said he was sort of resting a few, but yeah, the immediate reaction was that it was uh, some sort of weird. I, I think Yorkeres uh, and uh, and Gooden were considered their sort of two best players so far mm. this season. So um, there we go. You only play what's in front of you. Uh, one thing we're not going to talk about is VAR. It was kind of quite funny watching it from from afar. But I mean, dear lord, two of those decisions at the weekend were were um, borderline horrific. Get rid uh, of it. Get rid of Sorry, it that's all, that's, you know how I feel. No, you can't. But, but <laughs> then, you know, the... go on, Hux. It's that bad that they're going to have to do something, aren't they? They're going to have to streamline it. They're going to have to kind of get ex-players in there to look at stuff because some of the stuff that's going on is borderline ridiculous. It, it, it could be could be a job, Hux. If if the if the PGML, PGMOL, I think it is, rang you up, Darren, we need players involved in here to help run VAR. Yeah. Then the decisions yes, are easy. He would. To see. He would fancy it. Yeah. Well, the decisions, <laughs> the, decisions, the decisions are easy to see. It, it, it takes you ten seconds to see that you know, the one, the West Ham one, was borderline ridiculous. Our keepers hardly <laughs> touched him. The keepers rolling around like he's been shot in the back of the head. Uh, I can't. But that is that. I don't. I genuinely like that. You're like, how have you? You can't. You're looking, wanting it. I lit the. I saw it for the first time. I went. Oh no! Because you're like you can't possibly make that. You, you wouldn't believe that you can make that decision. And but, then the, the defence for the Newcastle one appears to be that the VAR didn't actually look to see if um, whoever the Newcastle player was was actually pushed, even though he suddenly comes flying out of the air at a funny angle. But why do you why do you need why do you need another referee to to make a subjective decision? Just have it for for offsides, for goals, for things that are black and white. You know whether they're right or they're wrong, and otherwise leave it alone. Like, I, I just don't see why having, you know, clearly the issue is not the referee didn't see it well enough. It's that they just don't get the decisions right as we as we would see it. So I just think, and the, my biggest gripe against the whole thing is it ruins the match day experience. I'm much, I'm enjoying the championship a lot more without it, but I've, I've been banging this drum a lot. So. Ah, we do love the drums. Um, uh, Maddie, anything that you don't want to talk about? Oh, definitely. Did you see who won goal of the month today? For us. Uh, oh, of course. Jakob yeah, the mighty, the mighty Jakob Sørensen. But we don't need to talk about it. We all know how good a goal it was. Oh, what a goal. What a goal it was. Uh, let's hope he's not too Celebrated live in my lecture. Coming back. Is that right? We definitely don't need to talk about his injury because, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Don't get me started. It's tough. No. Hopefully he or some other left back will be back soon. Um as Jason Style says, not going to talk about VAR, guys. Yep, exactly. We didn't talk about VAR. That was good. Um, I think we we managed that. Oh, the only other thing I've got on my list not to talk about is Ipswich. Don't know why that's written here, but I mean, yeah, top of the I, league. I, 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 do, I do. I do fear this might be the year <laughs> that they actually uh, 
uh, emerge. Um, but that's we're not going to talk about it, so that's okay. Which means uh, we can move on to any uh, topics and things and bits and bobs we've got. Um, uh, Steve, what did you pick up on? Well, this is what I didn't want to talk about, but Emma Shreve has stolen my thunder. Uh, the drum, yes or no? I mean, I don't know. I'm at the wrong end of the ground. I can't even see the guy. I don't know. Maddie, are you in a better <laughs> spot than, than me? And what, what the hell yeah, was so going it's on? A, it's a funny, stupid story. Obviously, I, I get to the ground stupidly early to do the flags, and the stewards were all in a foul mood. I mean, not that they're in a great mood anyway, but they were all banging on about the SAG and about safety stuff. And you know, I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? And then, you know, it gets to the end and one of the stewards comes up to me and he goes, you know, we've got a drum in today. What? what they finally came to City Elite. Oh no, it's a professional drummer employed oh. by the club who can only drum at certain points, who is on a platform where he can't see what's going on on the pitch. So you can imagine the backlash that they're getting from City Elite. You know, all of them going, oh, we've been asking for a drum for months and now you've just brought in some random guy. And yeah, he's, he can only drum, I think it was like corners and free kicks. So... If he's drumming at strange points, it's because he's got a mandate about when he can and can't drum. So the stewards wow. are fuming. They hate it. But, I mean, if he was actually allowed some freedom, it might be all right. But it's in such a bad position. Why is it's he, there why, for why, the away fans. Why is he not allowed to watch the game at the same time? I've, or is I've that just no a idea. coincidence? I can't help but think in like a conspiracy theory ploy that they've put the drummer there next to the away fans with a terrible view to say, look, you have the drum. It doesn't work. Stop asking us for a drum. But that's just speculation because surely they can't have purposely put him like that. Like they can't have thought, wow, we've got a drum. We're paying this guy to come in a drum. We're going to stick him here behind a pillar. Uh, and it, so it could you not actually see, you couldn't actually see the down. game? He, he was, I don't he, think you can see much of it. No, I, I, he's, when he's, I first, yeah, when he first emerged, I, I was like, I looked, I recorded a quick, very short video of it. And then I watched it back and I was like, no, he literally is behind the post. And it's like the big yeah, toilet he's, roll. Yeah, he's where we keep the, the flags. So he's, 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 they've, they've moved everything around down there. They've stuck the flags behind fences and they've, they've built this platform. And I, I don't think he can see much. You know, he's it's, it's not a fantastic view down there anyway. So if he can see anything, he might be able to see, might be able to make out the vague motions, the flow of play. But I'm interested to see if he'll be there for the next one because that was not a fantastic experiment. Well, we can we can say obviously we haven't got anyone available live from the club to come on and uh, get, tell us what the thinking is or what the actual you know club stance is it on it. Maybe they'll speak to me over the course of the week and I can share that with everyone next week. I don't know, um, but yeah, we'll 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 see what happens with the drummer, whoever it is. I wonder who it is. I Craig Brooks has, has said, "Who needs a drum? Just get Onel warming up when the chance start." Oh. It does. It did seem Onel did a better job of getting the crowd going than that than the I, fella I, behind the toilet roll. Genuinely did. reckon you could probably stick a drum in the corner while he was warming up and he'd probably start hitting it. <laughs> and just do both jobs at the same time. I think could definitely see that happening. Um, David Stebbings Tro says, Hux, you were and still my favourite all-time Norwich player. You are a legend. There you go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Love. Bit of Hux love. Um, Steve Pummel asks, is this actually live? Is it? Is that a compliment? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it is. Um, I mean, yes, Steve. This this is generally us just thinking on our feet. Um, what else have we got here? Did you have anyone, any other ones, Steve? That, um, uh, you, you have a look. Uh, I've got one. Um, Gerald Taylor, does Hux have a canary tattoo? No. I think you're a bit too cool for school, aren't you? No, I've got tattoos, but I haven't got a canary one. Surely you don't need a tattoo for you do you do it on a pitch, don't you? That's it. Well, <laughs> this, is it. this is it. Nothing to prove. Um, and there's one here. Oh, also from Gerard. Is the uh, is the championship fair considering our parachute payments, which I guess sort of taps into the fact the fact that uh, it does look so lopsided. Um, but I, I can't help feeling that the. Uh, parachute payments are just sort of maybe confining the problem to the championship and if they go then the problem will just appear somewhere else because the job of the premier league is so good yeah i mean the parachute payments is part of a bigger issue but but, but none of it's fair i mean you know <laughs> hooks has already made the point you know when we go up to the premier league next season the players who city have got on the bench will be much 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 better than the ones who we've got out on the pitch so none of none of it's fair and it it, it is a bit of a shame in the way in a way to see that the three relegated teams are all up there already, even though we're obviously benefiting from it quite heavily. But um, 
uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk for ages and ages about the issue, the financial issues in football, but I think the parachute payments is just a knock on effect of it. That said, uh, I don't think they'll be here for that much longer. I feel like they could be on borrowed time, the old parachute payments. Indeed, which will make life interesting. Neil Luther, Michael, when is the podcast getting a drummer? Uh, um, well, we'd have to stick them in the corner or her in the corner looking you know, behind a post. Um, and they'd only be able to drill at specific moments. You, so, you could uh, get like Ringo Starr in to replace me when I uh, bugger off to talk sport, Michael. You know, this is true. Well, don't know if we're going to be able to afford it. But there we go. Um, right. We'll keep your comments and questions coming in. Those who are watching live, uh, we'll get through a few more of those before the end. But I reckon uh, it's probably a good time now to bring in a bit of Motti. This is almost fantasy football. I tell you what the fantasy is. Only one game this week. I don't think there's going to be many of those. Um, it's Burnley, a trip to Burnley, which is obviously hugely, hugely exciting. Um, uh, and I know I mean it genuinely. <laughs> um, uh, what have you made of Burnley so far, Hux? I mean, you know, they, they're trying to do what Norwich are doing, but with a massive change, I guess, as well. Like, he's not going to have that much time, is he, Mr. Uh, Mr. Company, regardless of his no. name? They should have a. I know they've lost a few players, but they should have a, a squad that's you know, good enough to compete top end of the championship. So when, when they start firing on all cylinders, I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with. You know, will they get money to spend again in January? Probably. So, you know, I think it's probably better to be playing them earlier than playing them later. I'm going to be honest. Just get it out of the way, especially up there. Hopefully, the weather will still be okay. You don't want to go up there in the middle of winter when it's the pitch is you know knackered and it's snowing and stuff like that. So. Get get the game out of the way. Go and get go and get go there. Go and get a point. Go and get three points. Get yourself back home. Uh, the interesting thing will be whether Burnley can play the way that Company wants them to play in the middle of uh, winter up at Turf Moor because yeah. no one's really tried it before. Um, certainly wasn't in uh, Sean Dyche's plan. Have you uh, have you seen much of Burnley, Maddie? No, not really. Just they're not the sort of team you want to watch normally, are they? I saw something about how they were whoever they played at the weekend, they were booing them for playing long ball, which is, you know, a sign of how much things have changed at Burnley. Can you imagine Burnley fans booing the opposition for lumping it up the pitch? Oh my god. But yeah, I think they were super excited over the summer to get company in because, you know, it's a, it's a could you change more from Sean Dyche really? So they've they're a strange one because you would expect with that many changes plus the managerial change, you would expect, you know, a season of transition and maybe some time to gel. I don't think if they don't get promoted this season, they will sack company. Uh, you know, this is the club that employed Sean Dyche for almost a decade. So I'm not sure they'll be that trigger happy. They might say, OK, we see what you're doing and we see that you've got a plan. So I could see them being a bit Farker first season-esque, but... Yeah, I mean, it's the first real test, obviously. I think everyone knows that, that we're going to go away and after Friday we'll probably have a much better idea of where Norwich are because, like we've said, the championship this season, the quality is pretty dire. I mean, we've been pretty dire at times and we're top, we're second in the league. So, you know, it's, it's a strange one. But I, I think it'll be a fairly even contest. I think both teams are going to be a bit... It's going to be a case of nerves. I think there's going to be, you know, a bit of nervousness because it's too early for it to set to it for it to be like a promotion clash. But you know, these are two teams that know each other quite well. You know, we've been up in the Premier League at the same time as them, and we both know where we're coming from and what we're aiming for. So it's a it's the first big test for both of us. So I think it's going to be a really interesting one. There's a definitely a bit of familiarity there, and I have to say I'm looking forward to it because it's it does feel like the first proper game of the season rather than just sort of going through some fixtures and seeing what we get on the other side of it, Steve. Uh, Adam has asked, um, who do we set, start up top against Burnley? Nice problem for Dino. Um, what would you do, Steve? Uh, I think I've already sort of laid my cards on the table as far as, far as I would definitely have Pookie and Sargent out there. Um, I think Todd probably starts. Uh, and then it's a, probably a choice between Ramsey and Dowell. Um, I, I mean, they're both... Yeah, I, I sort of the kind of much for much is in that they're both capable of doing really good things and kind of have done already this season at times, but also can sort of drift out of games a little bit. Um, I suppose if you're putting me on the spot, 
Why not stick with Ramsey? I mean, we won 3 0, so I don't actually think there's a huge need to change the team. Dale did quite well when he came on. What's going to be interesting, though, is that we're playing a team with an, it, we might actually play a back four. Like, we've we've basically only played back threes this season, it feels like, um, against teams. Um, so, yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting to see whether anything changes with, changes with us as far as that goes. Don't know whether teams have been changing in order to face us or whether that's just something that they were doing anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think offer me a point in this one and I will take it. I think it's going to be one of the toughest away games this season. So anything more than that and uh, well, yeah, that, then it's really time to get excited, I think. it's um, It's been very fashionable back three. I think a lot of teams are just playing back threes at the moment. I think Hull actually, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they switched to a back four at the start against Norwich and then switched back to their normal formation. As switched the at the on. start. Like, as before they, the whistle they, was they, blown, they just quick, switched switch. it around. It was like a, it was like a first down. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite it's quite surprising that so many teams are playing a back three because it's something you have to work at a lot in training. Because you, as you when you grow up as kids and as you get older and older, not many teams play play a back three. So I think it's it's detrimental to a lot of teams playing a back three. I really do. I just think it's a, I think it's quite easy to play against because you just get so much space out wide. It's interesting that teams can continue to try and play free against us, but don't think they'll. Yeah, I don't think they'll come up against it on Saturday or Friday night. Even, um, I, I mean, the shape had a nice balance to it on Saturday. I thought Hux and, and Aaron Ramsey, who we haven't actually mentioned yet, which is probably a slight dereliction, um, was very good playing a bit more centrally. And you know, he's created two very good goals. Certainly played a big part in two very good goals: the second goal on Saturday and the the winner at Sunderland too. So they, we're starting to see properly what what he can add. Yeah, definitely. I think it was his best game by miles. You know, I've been a little bit unconvinced by him, if I'm going to be honest, until then. I know he, he set up a goal early on in the season, but, he's, he, you know, he's been in and out. He hasn't really... I don't think he's shown everybody what he's all about. And I think on Saturday, everyone got to see a bit more about what he can offer. But the problem is we've got that many attacking players that you've got, you've got, to, uh, you've got to get a place in the team or you might not get back in it. So... No, I think uh, Dean Smith already said that that you've got to produce in what in them forward areas because he's got a he's got he's got riches everywhere. So it's up to the place to get in the team and stay in the team. Which I did I did want to ask you a bit about Todd, if I may, Hux, because I mean, what have you made of? He's sort of been he looks much more closer to the to the player that was at the club two years ago without maybe quite um, you know delivering the assists and, and goals or whichever. Um, and we're kind of in a curious moment, really, because this, this is the last year of his contract. You know, we, we, we don't normally want players to be in that position. So, so it's, it does feel like a really interesting time with him. Yeah, it, it does. I think what he's done, first off, I think he's come back. Could, it could have gone the other way, couldn't it? It could have gone the other way where he's come back and literally looked how he looked last season and then he's a player that you've got to get rid of. But I think he's worked hard. He looks fit. He looks strong. But he's still got to have a bit more impact in the final third. I spoke to him before the start of the season. And I just said, Todd, you just, you know, nobody remembers the little flicks and they remember your scoring goals. Maybe you're scoring against Man City. They remember you're scoring, you know, World is in the top corner of your left foot. They remember the assists. So as a forward player, he has got to influence the game more in the final third. And he can do it because we all know he can do it. And I think we're seeing bits of it, but I still think he can take games by the scruff of the neck and be the most influential player. At the minute, he's on the periphery of the game. You know, I want to see him take the game by the scruff of the neck and be that player. That's what I want to say. I want, I want him to be our star man. And he can do it. He's just got to do it a bit more often. I I sort of feel like it's coming for Todd, or like because uh, yeah. I, I completely agree like with, with Hooks that we've already seen a completely different player this season. Like Off the ball and his pressing is just like complete night and day from where it was last year. Um, and it, he's trying things and it's just not quite working. That said, great pass for the third goal on Saturday, yes. I thought, into Sargent. Mm. Um, but I, I, I kind of think he's too... Ta- when it, when his mind's in the, in the right places, it seems to be he's too talented for it not to come off. And I actually think that that's that's another ceiling that we can reach is like, how good can we be when Todd's on it? And I do sort of feel like he'll find that form before the end of the season, maybe on Friday, you know? 
That is a good thing about a game on Friday. Those are the games that can often, they can be, they can be completely forgotten, but they can definitely be defining games mm-hmm. if you deliver something special. And that goes for any player on the pitch mm-hmm. that night. And, and he was the subject of a Tim Key poem this week. So, you know. He was. <laughs> That's exciting, indeed. Ghost, I should have Not should all read it news. out, shouldn't we? It was a it was wonderful, wonderful prose. You can still do a live performance of it, like beatnik poetry. I could. I don't know. <laughs> don't tempt him, Maddie. No, I will. Yeah, Do definitely. It. I think. I think one time on Mustard TV, I just read the lyrics to "On the Ball." City. Next time Todd <laughs> scores. Poetry. Next time Todd scores, you've got to perform this poem on the podcast. Okay, we could. Oh, no, I'm quite. Yes, yeah, okay. No, that's a good. Yeah, so we'll remember that. Tim, keep home next time. Sweet. Todd scores. When, you know, so we'll do that definitely. Are you making the trip up on Friday night, Maddie? Or are you going to be able to watch it down the pub? There is no, there's no way you could take me back to Burnley. I've, I've been having this discussion with so many people. You know, oh, do you fancy Burnley? Do you fancy Burnley? No. I mean, even, <laughs> you know, even if I wasn't at university on on a Friday, can you imagine the trip? It's a eight o'clock kickoff on a Friday and whenever it is it's hell Burnley is a bad enough place to travel to at 3pm on a Saturday you know the cricket ground is fine the fans are fine but my god the journey there and back no not not a chance even if the club said oh if you go I'll pay your season ticket for you next season nothing could tempt me up there it's going to be on the sofa with my Man United fan dad sitting next to me you know booing every time we make a good pass so yeah I'd, I'd much rather that, you know, call me a fickle fan or whatever, but Friday night against Burnley, that's a sofa or a pub game all over it. So it sounds like it'd be a good live stream, you and your dad watching that game. <laughs> I, I don't think so. We, <laughs> we managed to convince everyone else to leave the living room when we're watching football together. So I don't think anyone would want to watch it. <laughs> well, you know, Sky moved the kickoff so everyone could watch it live, I'm sure. So that's what will uh, no doubt happen. Um, should we? It's a big game. So, uh, predictions, Steve, go on. What do you reckon will happen? Um, <laughs> let's say draw. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I, I, I have a fee. It, it's going to the interesting thing about this game. Well, there's lots of interesting things, but whether we can raise our game for it because i do sort of feel like we need to a little bit like this will be a test in the way that none of the other games have been even close to being um so i think it's going to be fascinating to see that um and it'll be a a big sign if we can come away with it that we're with we've got the metal for it um so it's a long answer to your question one one that's what i'll say (laughs) good thing hux is it does feel like norwich have got those gears in them um so yeah what do you reckon two two excellent away point (laughs) <laughs> take it look at that that was efficient take it get, get back on the bus or the plane get yourself back home that's the way to do it Maddie I'm going to go for the typical 2-1 I think I don't think we've got enough to keep them out but I think we've got plenty to um, to go against them so I reckon oh, she's got to pick the goal scorers now I'm going to go for Sargent to give the in vogue answer and then I reckon Sam Byram, why not? He had so many chances in the wow. Premier League that first time around. Sam Byram to get his first Norwich goal. Yeah, Easy. it'd be a good place for him to get it, wouldn't it? Burnley away, that sort of feels like the yeah. sort of place where he would get his first, first Norwich goal. Sam like, it's a totally to random match on a Friday. That's, that's got Sam Byram written all over it. Go on, Six Sam. wins on the spin. <laughs> I love it. What a different place we're all in. Uh, it's like confession. It wasn't until I was watching the... Uh, the highlights on ITV, whatever channel it was, that I realised West Brom actually equalised against Burnley. I just assumed they'd won one nil at West Brom. So, um, uh, so yeah, hopefully they'll uh, at least concede to Norwich um, in a meaningful way on what Friday you, night. What do you think the score is going to be, Michael? Oh, I don't need to ask me that. I don't, you know. Do I not? Oh, we've it. all given our answers. All. <laughs> no, no, you He's asked that. you now. You have that's to answer. My, oh, that's my prerogative. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like to think that they have it in them to prove that they've got the gears to go into and maybe they'll be slightly more streetwise on the uh, on the evening. So I don't think they'll lose. Can I say that? Yeah, that'll do. All right. And no one hurt. That's a no cop one, help. No one, yeah, because it, it completely. But then, you know, you named your goal scorers, Maddie, so that was up to you. Um, uh, so that's all, it's all good. Um, right, any more questions? And then I reckon we wrap up. Uh, let's have a look through here. Um, um, Neil Luther has asked if Huck scored any perfect hat tricks. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I mean, I'd really have to head the ball, wouldn't it? <laughs> Which means you'd have to head the ball <laughs> <laughs> into the goal. <laughs> did you score any no, headed no. goals? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I scored a few. 
Surprisingly, but uh, not as perfect. No, not, 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 per- not perfect hat trick. I think I've scored left, right penalties, but not not perfect hat trick. It's more than three of us. Yeah. Uh, Henry Todd, uh, I think the drum highlighted the lack of creative chance we have at the moment. I see some good ideas go NCFC viral, but never sung. Would love to hear the Adam Eder's good, Ebenezer good. Get, I don't know what some that is, but yes, more creative oh, chance. Everywhere. That's a great one. I've not, I've not heard that. Yeah, that's that. Would How does that go? How would it's, that go? Um, Sing it, Steve. Uh, well, I, it, it, the song does advocate the use of drugs, which I'm not going to do, but it goes, ease are good, ease are good, Ebony are good, that one. It's Adam like, Eder's um, good. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, he that's does good, good he was good, Adam Eder's good. Yeah, he I'd, like to, I'd like to hear that. I'm not going to start it, but... <laughs> there was a, a good, another, we've got a good Josh Sargent chant, I suppose, but there is a, there was a creative one I passed on Instagram with, uh, he's our American boy, American boy, which I think is uh, the Leeds fans are using that for... Um, Anison, is it? Anyway, um, so yeah, well, there we go. Get your thinking caps on, everyone. Um, what else do we have? Um, display calibration, Michael et al. Uh, Stuart Weber took a lot of criticism, much rightly so, for last season's dismal signings. As one who already loves Marcelino Nunez or Nacho, as everyone started calling him, um, shouldn't he now also receive due credit for that? Uh, let's um, let's maybe give it half a season before we can start saying that signings are really good or really bad. I mean, for, for the same reasons, I wouldn't necessarily say Sarah's been a good signing yet, but it'd be far too early to say that he's not going to be a good player for us. Um, but I love Nunez too, but it's early days, right? I, I must admit, when, uh, when Dean Smith started just calling him Nacho, I just assumed he got his name wrong. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I think uh, Neil Adams also called him Nacho in a video, so uh, in his insights video. So at that point, I was like, "Oh no, this must be an actual thing." Where's that come from, Michael, or is it just something you picked up? I don't know. Okay. I guess have to ask Nacho- Adam Brandon; he'll know. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine Nacho's a South American in people in Norwich's heads, <laughs> so therefore. <laughs> They called yeah. him Nacho. Bit of cultural appropriation there. <laughs> exactly. Nacho. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> absolutely fine. Um, right. I think that's wrapped up all those. Thank you for so many comments and questions. Awesome. Um, uh, but I think that's it, isn't it? For another On the Ball, the Norwich City podcast that has been trying to stitch its own Norwich City armchair together for years. Uh, if you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe uh, via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player, and we stream the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. Have a search, and I'm sure you'll find them. Uh, ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, Sling me a direct message on Twitter. The handle is at Michael J. Bailey. As for this evening, a big thank you to our guests this evening. Maddie, thank you so much. Enjoy the game on Friday. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, everyone. I hope your dad enjoys it too, but maybe not too much. <laughs> I um, hope he doesn't. <laughs> Hux, thank you as always. You legend, you. No problem. Steve, muy bien. I've decided to go Spanish. Thank you. I, I don't do Spanish, so I can't answer in kind. But thanks, and thank you, everyone. Although I think it's just muy bien is very good. So that doesn't Gracias. Really any That's sense. Spanish, isn't it? Gracias. Muy bien. Thank you very much. Good. Yeah, I'm just going to start calling you Nacho from here on in. Um, thanks as always. See you next week, I reckon. Uh, we'll be back next Monday for another edition of On the Ball and a fresh bout of Canary's Capers, probably at a similar level of quality as this, as we review the Burnley game and more. Um, Until then, never mind the danger.